everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Ventures of Flash. This is episode number 48 tonight, and this is going to be a super episode tonight, and I think you guys will enjoy it. You know, last week uh, we tried to tone our rhetoric down all the way, and uh, we our episode title was Try to Be Kind to Anyone. Well, that backfired on us, and we got pulled down more off social media, our page, than we ever have. So we're going to try to keep it 100 real from now on, and we're not going to even worry about all that. Uh, we're going to keep the rhetoric turned up to 1,000, and I think you guys will really enjoy tonight's show. It's on a bunch of different things, and uh, we're not going to waste much time into getting into it tonight. We're going to jump right into it, and it's going to be coming right at you. Grab that favorite beverage, and we'll come back, and we'll talk with you guys in a few minutes. You know... Uh, it's really getting bad when you get censored for everything you say now that uh, the status quo don't agree with. But, hey, we're not going to worry about that anymore. We're going to keep it out there, and we're going to keep it real. Uh, I appreciate all my new listeners tuning in this week and uh, all my every week regular listeners for tuning in. And uh, we're going to jump right out there tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about some some things that I think is going to really uh, affect everyone. Uh, some of these things is going to be about some of the new programs that's coming out. Uh, we're even going to have a little eye-opening clip from uh, a rock star of yesterday that was real good on predicting the future, and uh, I think you all like that. Uh, you guys grab that favorite beverage and tune in and get ready. Here it comes. It's coming right at you. This one here is about mainstream media. Mainstream media have stepped up their attacks on all those who voted for Donald Trump. There are calls, too, to deprogram his supporters. And some have even made comparisons with Osama bin Laden. There are millions of Americans, almost all white, almost all Republicans, who somehow need to be deprogrammed. They are members of a cult, the Trumpist cult. There are Republican members of Congress, I know, who clearly have lost their minds, uh, who just will not accept reality when it comes to the facts about Donald Trump. I'm comparing the words of individual who would incite and radicalize somebody, uh, as Osama bin Laden did, to what President Trump did. But Trump supporters are questioning the mainstream media assault, and they do say that they are not the ones who've been brainwashed. We don't like their opinion, but I don't call them brainwashed. I just don't agree with them. People are brainwashed by the media to divide people. Whichever way you believe, the censorship and shutting down people's freedom of speech is un-American. People who voted for Trump wanted a change. You just cannot wipe out a whole 75 million people that don't agree with you. You can vote for whoever you want to, and you shouldn't be afraid of having people come back on you. We all need to come together, unite, and uh, resolve our, our issues together. They've identified Trump supporters as so dangerous in groups that they have to be prevented from forming in groups for the safety of the American people. There's no, there's no comparable um, message coming from the right about the left. Nothing from the right that would 
destroy the unity that we all should have and probably wish we did have. The unity in America is long gone because the people calling for it the loudest are the same people who think we should go to jail, we should have our guns taken from us, and we are the side that is not violent, while they let their side, who is violent, rampage around the country for almost a full year. They have absolutely spoken out of both sides of their mouths on this on the left, and there's going to be a political price to pay for Dang, you know, that's totally true. Uh, My podcast has always been tried to be neutral and uh, understanding of everyone's opinions because I got listeners from every walk of life, uh, every political view, and uh, 30 different countries. So you can express yourself here when you send in your emails to me and your suggestions for podcasts. It doesn't matter what it's on. I've done one on every, just about every topic that you can think of, and uh, I'm gonna continue to do that. And uh, you know, uh, I'm against censorship, but you know, I'm just like everybody else. I'm just a regular person, and uh, I've got no political influence over anything like that. But uh, hey, my podcast is gonna keep on going. Uh, we plan on being here forever. And uh, we try to offer an alternative where you can enjoy on your drive home from work or to work or even at home on your computer. Um, We have uh, interviews with people. We do trending topics. And uh, we do all listeners' requests. So uh, I want you got new people to know that. Uh, You can feel comfortable listening to my podcast uh, We're going to try to remain neutral. We've got our opinions, but we're going to try to remain neutral. And uh, I got another little clip coming up here. And uh, this is from Jim Morrison when he's talking about the future. And this was in 1970. And uh, I think it rings true today. Have a listen. They can prematurely age your lungs. Don't miss out on life. Learn more at projectpreventar.org. Jim, what do young people worship today? What do they believe? What do they hang on to? What do they hope for? I can't speak uh, for young people, but uh, probably uh, a guess would be the same things they've always celebrated, just kind of a a joy of existence, self-discovery, freedom, that kind of thing. Well, there's always been a generation gap in every age, but the gap now seems to be much more of a definite cleavage. The young people today seem to feel and think differently. Mm -hmm. What do you think has brought this about? So-called generation gap could be a result of larger numbers of young people. I think it happened after World War II. I think it's something like uh, over half the population of the United States now is under 18 years of age, something like that. Politically and philosophically, the young people now seem to feel very definite ideas about the establishment, mm-hmm. old systems of governing people, and, and moral attitudes. Yeah. When I was in high school and college, the kind of protest that's going on now is totally unheard of. At that time, to be a teenager 
to be young was uh, was really nothing. It was kind of a limbo state, and I think it's amazing. Just in in the last five years, what's happened is uh, young people have become increasingly aware of the power and the influence that they have as a group. It's really amazing. Does it surprise you that there is so much revolt on the campuses of this country against Washington and its policies? It really surprises me because, as I as I said before, when I was growing up and when I was in school, it was uh, that was totally unheard of. You know, students really had no power. But if you look back in history, uh, it seems to bear out the fact that every revolution has started with students and spread to workers and uh, I'm not predicting that's there's going to be a drastic turnover in this country but uh, uh, all the indications are there life does seem to become more and more involved and complex you know we're becoming computerized and dehumanized in that process that bugs me I wonder how it bothers you and your generation but there does seem to be a a trend toward a return to a kind of primitive outlook on life, a more tribal attitude, and uh, I think it's a natural reaction to industrialization, but uh, unfortunately it's kind of naive because I think the future is going to become increasingly mechanized computerized as you, as you call it and uh, I don't think there's any turning back it's just figuring out a way to survive and thrive in that kind of society but I don't think there's any chance of, of going back look at it this way too the hippie lifestyle is really a middle-class phenomena and it could not exist in any other society except ours where there's such an incredible surfeit of uh, goods, products, and leisure time. I think that's, that's the reason for it, because the generations immediately preceding ours had uh, uh, world wars and uh, depressions to contend with. And uh, for the last 10 or 15 years in this country, it's there's time enough and there's there's money enough to live kind of a flagrant, uh, outrageous lifestyle, which was impossible before. Jim, there's a line in your book of poems which reads, The cleavage of men into actor and spectators is the central fact of our time. Well, I think that's undeniable, but I wonder, hasn't it always been that way with society? I suppose it has, but um, uh, with mass media, you know, today... It becomes more immediately apparent. I think what I was concerned with in that book was the fact that most people feel completely void and helpless in controlling their own destinies or con controlling the destiny of human life. I think it's, uh, it's sad. More people should be involved rather than uh, designating all these uh, powers to a few individuals, I think the average person, whatever that is, should, 
should be a part of it somehow. And I, I think everyone feels that events are just going on without their uh, knowledge or control. I think it's uh, one of the tragedies of our time. I, I suppose it has always been that way, but now it's it just becomes so obvious, you know. Decisions are made for you in which you have no part of at all. I just lament the fact that uh, so many people are uh, content with living a very quiet, well-mannered, orderly life when so many um, obvious injustices, I guess, are, are going on and they seem to ignore it somehow or, or, not, or not care at all, just let it happen without ever becoming involved. I think that's sad. Jim, relevant to your theory that people should get more involved in life and thus enjoy it more, you have written a line of poetry which reads, The spectator is a dying animal. Now, isn't that a bit of a contradiction to what you've said previously? No, it's, uh, yeah, it's concerned with that same split between the actor and the audience. To me, there's something incredibly sad about a bunch of human beings sitting down watching something take place and just when you think about it i love movies as much as anyone else but the the spectacle of millions and millions of people sitting in movie theaters and in front of television sets every night watching a second or third hand reproduction of reality going on when the real world is right there in their living room or right right outside in the street or down the block somewhere. I think it's a tool to synambulize or hypnotize people into a kind of uh, waking sleep. But I think the major uh, influence in uh, the next decade or so is going to be the people who are able to assemble masses, huge masses of people into one spot, as, as we've witnessed in uh, pop festivals in the last two or three years, I think uh, will be the uh, major influences on mass culture in the next decade. I think the, uh, the rock music enthusiasts have created some of the probably some of the most exciting music and theatrical events on the planet i think they're fantastic well part of generation gap is the difference in what people like in terms of music now this is something that uh, distresses me a little bit it seems that the young people like all the same kind of thing now i, I want more out of the young people than just that yeah well they're <laughs> they're being programmed by their radios. They only play, uh, the major radio stations, rock stations, only play 30 songs over and over and over, 24 hours a day. And it's been proven what you hear the most is what you like the most. So there's really no choice involved. Someone is programming it. So we are the victims of media. Mm -hmm. 
what everyone should say is the medium is the message and the message is me well you know uh that interview there that little clip there was from jim morrison in 1970 before he passed away later that year and you know a lot of that still rings true today and you know he was a true visionary and i just thought i'd share that with everyone out there and to the young people the old people too and uh you know i really believe that the media does program us and if you'll watch the news of today you'll see them on the same thing over and over and over and over and uh they just put a little different slant on it, but it's the same news over and over and over and over. And, you know, it was said once long ago by a communist dictator that if you put the same message out over and over again and you could have one day on TV or on radio that everyone would believe it or the masses would believe it. So I believe that's what's happened in today's society and uh I just thought I'd throw that in there. We got one more clip here for you guys, and uh, grab that favorite beverage and get ready for this one. We love you guys. Could 5G already be dead in the water? If you still think 5G... This idea that as long as we have every participant in every transaction prove their identity and we can track and control every transaction through this totalitarian surveillance system, we will end crime. And in order to believe in that false idea of safety through totalitarian control, we condemn billions of people to poverty. We're sitting at a historical crossroads where the future of money is going to be digital. We're seeing a concerted effort around the world to ban cash, to reduce the availability, the value, and the liquidity of cash. Everywhere in the world, we saw India demonetize the top two value notes they have. Um, Spain is passing a law to make it illegal to make any transaction more than a thousand euros in cash. Probably the 500 euro, 100 euro notes are gonna disappear eventually. You're seeing this process of demonetization, of removing cash from the economy in order to funnel it all into banking systems that are under constant control and surveillance. This is a very dangerous future. And that's usually because they want the taxation or they want the legislation. They see, either they see that money used by corrupt parties or they just use that as an excuse to control it. The biggest criminals in the world have banking licenses of their own. They don't need to money launder. They own HSBC and that money launders for them. You know, the biggest money launderers in the world are the banks, obviously, because that's where the money is. The easiest way to money launder is if you have a banking license. So, of course, the biggest money launderers have banking licenses. These are excuses. What they want to do, of course, is, they say, taxation and corruption. But in fact, this actually increases corruption. So removing cash from an economy and, and putting everybody under surveillance um, doesn't mean the criminals can't use money anymore. Of course they can. They will continue to do that. They will always have means of doing it. Just means that everybody else is under surveillance. So you end up surveilling the innocent. What does that give you? That gives you political control. We've never had in the history of humanity the ability to monitor everybody's economic activity all the time. 
And to give that power to governments without question is extremely dangerous. It won't reduce crime, but it will turn governments into criminals. <laughs> it won't reduce corruption, but it will increase corruption at banks. Um, and it will put people at the mercy of a system in which, at a flick of a binary switch, you can become a non-person. Went to the wrong website, attended the wrong protests, associated with the wrong political party, expressed support for the wrong idea, off. You no longer exist. You can't buy food, you can't buy anything, you can't earn anything, and all of your money disappeared. Because we, we don't give you a bank account, and, and since you can't use cash for anything, then you basically are a non-citizen. You are a non-person. And what this will end up doing is it will end up putting the burden again on the most powerless in our society, right? The poor, those who don't have ID, undocumented immigrants, uh, victims of human trafficking, refugees, these people are going to be suffering the burden to create this bourgeois illusion of safety and give massive powers to governments that certainly haven't earned the trust to have these kinds of powers. Criminals will have privacy. The question is whether the rest of us will. And so that is the, the, the thing. Criminals will use these systems. Criminals will bypass the rules. Criminals will bribe and corrupt officials and they will bypass the rules. They will deal in gold or Rolexes or cars. In fact, at some point in the height of the crack epidemic, they tried to ban cash in Baltimore in the United States. And criminals switched to using Tide detergent as cash. Fungible, transportable, uh, brand unforgeable and useful. Just crates of Tide moving around from right. houses. There will always be criminal activity. That's part of society. Changing the way money works only ends up punishing the innocent. And so criminals will always have privacy. Brian, do you want to also have privacy? Or do you want only criminals to have privacy and only governments to have privacy? The real drug financing doesn't happen in cash. It happens in millions of barrels of oil and billions of pallets of dollars transmitted through wire transfers by the banks who get caught again and again and again and again. And they pay a fine that is a fraction, not only of the criminal behavior that they profited from, but of the tens of thousands of deaths they've directly contributed to. And not a single person goes to jail. And at the same time, some people have the audacity to say that we need to end cash in order to stop crime. We have to understand surveillance never stopped crime. Surveillance is the license given to the people who are on the top of that to control our lives. They will commit crimes. They will commit the worst of crimes what I call mega-crimes. Mega is the prefix we use for millions. A mega-crime is one where, for example, you foreclose on a million homeowners and don't go to jail. That's a mega-crime. We're doing surveillance and analytics to catch a petty drug dealer who's selling pot for Bitcoin. Who's doing surveillance and analytics on Lockheed Martin? Who's doing surveillance and analytics on the money laundering banks? Nobody. Do you know why? None of them ever go to jail. The regulators are completely captured. And the very system of controlling finance from above 
by having levers of power over the lives of millions of people, billions of people, of having the audacity to cut off entire countries and say, well, they're under sanctions. They're not privileged enough. They're not people enough to gain financial services. Guess who that attracts? If you build levers of power like that, the very worst sociopaths in our society are attracted like flies to shit to grab hold of those levers of power and destroy all of your freedoms as quickly as they can. We are building societies in which one bad election is the last election. And if you don't believe me, look at what's happened in Turkey, what's happened in Russia, what's happened in Venezuela, what happens every day to billions of people around the world. Let me end on a positive note because you're probably a bit freaked out by all of this. You should be. This is serious stuff. Open, borderless, public, transparent, neutral, censorship resistant, strictly private cryptocurrencies exist. They will not be regulated. They cannot be regulated. Not by committees. Because they're regulated by mathematics. They're regulated by algorithms. They provide certainty of transaction. They provide programmable customer protection. They provide reputation management. They provide access without identity. They give billions of people eventually not just a bank account in their pocket, but a bank in their pocket. They democratize the function of banking and turn it into an app that everyone can access without vetting because they've already pre-vetted. They have agreed to download the software that follows the rules of consensus. And that is the only vetting required in these systems. But we shouldn't allow that. We did. But we can't have people make anonymous transactions. They will. But we must regulate this. You can't and you won't because six billion people need this. Should we regulate crypto? How much should we regulate crypto? Who should regulate crypto? Fuck that. Crypto is about providing universal basic finance to whoever needs it everywhere in the world, whether we like it or not. And what will people do with universal basic finance? What they've done for millennia with access to cash they will build a future for their children. Wow, kind of scary stuff, yes or no? <laughs> That's what I got the question I got to ask. You know, uh, does everyone out there think we're going towards a cashless society? Well, it looks like we already are. That's some really scary stuff there. Uh, thought I'd throw that in there tonight, just to have a podcast with a few different things on there uh i got one more short clip here and uh i don't know if i'm gonna play it or not we might save that one for next time uh, i'm keeping the podcast just long enough uh, tonight's episode is brought to y'all by flash and every week is brought to you by flash and uh you know, uh, I got opinions on all that stuff. Uh, the deprogramming crap is 
just what I just said is crap. And uh, that's the only way that's going to happen is uh, they're going to affect you on social media by censoring what you say, taking your pages down, taking your accounts down, and uh, trying to cost you your job. Or uh, they're trying going to try to hurt you in, in ways like that. You know, uh, I think it's a crying shame, and uh, I believe it'll backfire on them. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see, man. You know, the future, we'll find out. Uh, I, the clip that I started to play here is things that's going to come in the next four years. But I think we'll save that one for next time because uh, I've got two or three clips on that, actually. And I, I don't want to get started off into that uh, without finishing it off. I appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Y'all keep all those suggestions coming in. I hope y'all enjoyed tonight's show. Uh, we got some guests coming on the show in future episodes, and I know you guys are going to enjoy that, and I still enjoy putting the podcast out. And uh, I'm uh, kind of censored a little bit on exactly everything that I say. I said I'm not going to be censored at all, but there there's only a line that I can go to and not cross that line, and I'm going to go up to the edge of that line, you know that, but I'm going to try not to cross over that line because I don't want to get my podcast took down. I don't want to get my pages pulled off again, but I'm going to go to that line, and there are going to be times that I'm going to test that line to see how just how far that I can push the envelope, just like Joe Dirt would. So what I always say on my podcast is uh, I love you guys, and... You guys keep on keeping on just like old Flash. Thank y'all for tuning in. We'll see y'all next time.